Welcome to the PXP Podcast. Let's talk success. Um, first episode ever, and we're here today um, to start the podcast and let everyone know about the wonderful mind um, of Paul Plummer, my co-host here. Paul, how are you doing today? Doing well, thank you. Good. Um, so really, like, I wanted to start the podcast because I think, well, one, to unravel your mind, right? Because everyone <laughs> thinks... At least, I mean, I tell everyone you're a genius. Yeah, good luck um, with all that. Yeah, so it's going to be a tough challenge, but we have, um, you know, as much time as we have, as long as we're alive, right? Um, so, like, my goal was to learn about a lot, right, and teach the pe- teach our members, um, the people they share it with, about everything that you kind of know. Um, and help spread awareness about you and what you like to do, right? And then also just to have fun because I know that in this growing podcast world, you know, everyone out there, especially the people that we deal with, you know, they run, they listen to a podcast. On my drives, I listen to a podcast. I get in the sauna, I listen to a podcast. If someone's out biking, they listen to a podcast. So it's just like never ending. I think we have, you have some really good information that we could learn from, Um and then also, like I said, to get your name out there and whatnot. What's what do you think your goal is for the podcast? Yeah, I guess several goals. I, I, it feels like I say or repeat a lot of different things. There's a lot of information out there that some people have done some great research on. They've done some great applicational pieces. They've uh, been successful. Everybody tries to copy what someone else has done, and sometimes it just doesn't work for those individuals. So, if I can help share some insight into uh, how do you apply those specific things to your world and how do you make it, successful for you i'm glad to do that for sure and then i also think like you know like i mentioned to you the other day sometimes you and i have these i don't know i don't want to say stereotypes about us but some we're not as easy to come to for some people as they think so like for you when you were gone on vacation you know i had a member tell me as i helped with class it's easier to come to me for questions because they think, you know, they might have a dumb question to ask you because you're so, you know, knowledgeable and um, on par with what we're doing and how everything is supposed to be done to where they didn't want it. They were scared to come up yeah. to ask you a question. Um, and then, you know, I've been told before that I'm kind of have that serious approach where, you know, I don't want to be bothered, um, which is true when I'm working out for the most part, you know, I don't. Um, but I just think, the people that aren't around us enough don't know how honestly relaxed we are and how chill I think we both are um, and, and how funny we are. Um, I mean, I'm obviously funnier, but um, <laughs> still. Um, I might have to concede that one, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, like, I think it'll be good for people to know you and know me just as a person inside of here, as one of your athletes, um, as a person that helps out a little bit, just to see, you know, what's inside of PXP, right? Um, And then give our community, um, your community, a chance to ask us questions. Uh, Maybe tell me a question to ask you if they're scared to ask you Mm -hmm. or whatever that may be. So um, I guess... We'll get started into it then. Um, so how did PXP start for those yeah. that don't know? Well, before I answer that question real quick, I want yeah. to go back to what you were just saying there yeah. about the you know uh, people being willing to ask questions, that kind of stuff. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a thing that I really hope that you know, as we're doing this podcast, as we're in classes, I mean, it is tough sometimes to ask a question because you feel like everybody else is doing things so much better than you that right. we all have these, uh, these doubts, these fears, the anxieties that we're uh, nervous of bringing up. 
Uh, I hope to knock some of those uh, down. And I know for many that we have, I know there's still many that are still up there. Um, but I want to echo your thoughts of, of the purpose of this podcast. Of if you've got a question, if you're, if it's just not making sense to you, I hope that you will send us a, a question, a, a statement, a curiosity, and this would be a, a nice forum to be able to get some of that stuff out. Yeah, absolutely. No, um, perfectly said. Yeah. And then your question: How did PXP yep. start? Yep. Um, it was really one of those things where you know I, I spent a lot of time in college athletics. I was there almost twenty years and helping a lot of these really elite. Uh, fantastic athletes stay healthy uh, uh, recover from injuries that sort of thing and I'm watching us mortals as we're doing things and I'm watching this mechanics as people are running I'm watching uh, hearing people talk about their aches and their pains and it just uh, became a a passion to try to help uh, those individuals doing what I've been doing uh, in college athletics just for the rest of us that's the real impetus to got this to get this started Mm-hmm. Now, some of those things, you know, in college athletics, you know, you, you do a physical and, and you identify how things are going, but they've already got their scholarship. And the physical on a, on a collegiate level is really just trying to make sure they stay alive, you know, blood pressure and all the normal stuff we would do, but also taking it a step further of, you know, what are they at risk for? So here, here at PXP Endurance, you know, try to do that functional movement screen and gather that information and, and be as proactive as we can on those pieces. Mm-hmm. The impetus, if you will, to get this started is really just to try to bring what we had in the collegiate athletic world to us mortals, to the general population to help. I got you. So a question that I get asked often, just because, you know, when you, when people see me, they see the PXP usually almost all the time now. Um, and, um, they ask about me, they ask about you uh, particularly. And so I know kind of like where you've been and whatnot and like the, the places you've been, the mm-hmm. colleges and sure. what you've done there, I guess in general, can you tell the people, because when I try to answer this, I'm like, well, I know he's been to North Carolina. He's been, to, he's worked at colleges down there. He's been to Michigan, um, and worked at colleges there in the Indy area. Um, can you give a brief, like, what school maybe what schools you liked or that you've been to what programs you did yeah. or didn't do all that sure well let's start at the very beginning right so okay. my my undergrad education was southern illinois, southern illinois at carbondale and that's uh, their athletic training program at the time was very attractive they they had some great alumni that come through there and it was a, a fun opportunity to go through that educational experience i had the opportunity to get a, a master's degree at michigan state and, and that's really if i look at the biggest broadest piece of my my foundation as an athletic trainer that's where it got its most solid space from uh, not and that's not to take away from what i got as an undergrad okay the i left michigan state and, and took a position at manchester college just northern indiana here yeah. uh, the intent was going to be that it was a one-year position the, the position i took the guy was going on sabbatical i was going to replace him for a year and just a chance to you know catch my breath after grad school and then i was going to find this um big position I was going to take over, um, whether that be in the NFL or a you know, high major collegiate program. I had uh, uh, different aspirations back then. That one year, I got introduced into education. Um, I had to teach some classes, and I, and I thought at the time, I was like, there's no way I'm going to teach classes. I don't want the faculty side of this. This is not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. But I found that I really enjoyed that teaching aspect of it. And that's, if I look at my Manchester uh, college days and Manchester University now, um, that's really where I got that foundation built, is being able to communicate uh, these facts and translate them to the students to be able to uh, go out and get their degree to be successful. Okay. You know, that's, for some of you at the time, this is early 90s, so I'm dating myself a little bit, but 
those, those of you familiar with Steve Alford, uh, uh, played at IU in the national championship Olympic yeah. team and played in the NBA. Well, that was his first coaching position. That was also one of the attractive things for helping me to stay there a little longer was got to work with him a little bit. Okay. So I got more insight into some coaching and some competition and, and those sort of things with the academic side. Steve, does Steve Alford have a son that played as well or no? Uh, Bryce so. played for UCLA. When that's, what it, that's what it is. Okay, so I, I watched him um, play um, at UCLA because I think they made it a little bit far in the tournament, right? They were Sweet 16 that Sweet year. Sweet 16, okay, yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. So Bryce wasn't uh, – Bryce was just young back when I knew him. He okay. was you know, maybe two, three years old, and you know, to watch his uh, athletic development was fun as well yeah, over I the bet. years. But we, we spent four years together there, and you know, the, the first year uh, their basketball program wasn't very good that Steve took over. I think we had four wins that first season. And, you know, and then the story just gets you know, more Cinderella-like where we had 20 wins, then 27, and then we're undefeated in the national championship game our, our last year there. And, and it was a lot of fun watching that grow. So that base for me of, uh, at Manchester University of uh, combining the academics and the athletics and, and taking some bodies and, and molding them a little bit, keeping them healthy and, and pushing through, that was, that was pretty cool. Okay, awesome. Yeah, when, when, that, when that time was done, you know, Steve, obviously, after we, he got to that place, he had several opportunities to make choices to go other places. And, you know, I was looking around at the same time. And um, I ended up at Campbell University in North Carolina. It's a small Division I institution at the time. Um, when I was applying for the positions, they told me they had an academic major, and I wanted to develop this major. It's when, uh, in the world of athletic training at that time, we were, uh, the profession was going through a transition we had two routes to certification at the time. One was a, an internship route where you had some core courses and then you really spent some time doing practicum stuff. You did some uh, hands-on stuff and that counted toward uh, credentials to take your national exam. And you had a more rigorous academic program with less hands-on. And so there was uh, that transition time within the profession of athletic training. So when I went to North Carolina looking at this, they, they told me about their academic major. They, they didn't really have a staff. They had a graduate assistant running things. So it really wasn't a, a well-organized space. I saw it as an opportunity to um, grow a program, uh, to add some staff, to add some uh, academic rigor to their, their uh, programming, to expand my wing, so to speak, in the, in the teaching world. And so I went there. I was there for seven years, and, and it was a lot of fun of – building a program our, our athletic training room was actually in the the men's shower um, <laughs> so that was a lot of fun wait for the guys to get done with their showers and did, then i could actually treat the females after yeah i was that. gonna say how did the females get in okay yeah it was it was a, a interesting time I mean, there was a lot of uh, coordination of like telling the, the the guys they couldn't shower yet because right. we had to finish up some other treatments and then we'd let them come in and get their showers and then we'd open the doors back up again if you will and it was just an interesting <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. For sure. Um, and in that time, we, you know, the, um, the opportunity to build the, the curriculum, I, I got involved in our national association in terms of um, curricular structure. I was part of a, a group that helped visit institutions who were wanting to attain accreditation and, and review their programs and, and give some feedback, you know, letting the accrediting body make the final decision but providing that feedback for them whether they were at the right rigor or not or were some areas of non-compliance they could improve and so that helped my program because I got to see other programs and and see what was going well was it going wasn't going well mm -hmm. uh, apply my program and that's one of the, uh, the things that 
at Campbell was able to take that program from where it was to a program that was, you know, gained accreditation. We had added some facilities when I left. I teased them that that should be called Plummer Fieldhouse, but you know, <laughs> they, they didn't. They didn't think I did enough for them to, to name it after me, I guess. Okay. But they've now added football. They've got uh, all kinds of things that they've added onto it. I mean, just watching that program continue to grow has been a lot of fun. Okay. After that, I was invited back to Indiana State. You know, Indiana State, if we look at the profession of athletic training, there's a lot of alumni uh, in our National Hall of Fame. Uh, it's one of the older programs, if not the oldest. I can't remember for sure. Sorry, ISU alum. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the oldest program, but I um, don't recall that absolutely. I know that about well over a third of our National Hall of Fame members are ISU alums. Okay. Um, so it's one of those rigorous programs that had a lot of reputation. They were having some challenges. Um, how do I phrase this really well? Um, they hadn't really dropped in reputation. That's not what I'm trying to say. But the um, status that they had in the uh, 70s, 80s, early 90s had, had fallen out a little bit. And so invited back to help elevate that a little bit. Um, was there in the early 2000s. A lot of fun you know, working with um, the faculty, working with the staff, the clinical staff, adding uh, staff adding graduate assistants to that program, um, being part of the faculty, but you know, now instead of having both hats like I had at Campbell, the academic and the clinical side, mm-hmm. got to shed one of those hats and then yeah. really focus on the clinical side. Um, you know, and, and at the end of that time, we're talking about uh, almost 18 years of being in college athletics, doing uh, similar things, and, and I loved that time. But every August was the same, every December was the same, every February was the same in terms of what had to happen uh, around that athletic cycle. So, you know, being on, you know, traveling with the different teams, um, doing those same things, I started wanting wanting something different. Um, Got invited back uh, here to Indianapolis, um, St. Vincent's Sports Performance, to help uh, manage their physician practice. And and at the time, they were transitioning uh, in the medical world there. Marion football is getting started. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been a couple years in, in existence and, and working with that program as well. And you know, those of you who know Medi- the Marion football, they win a lot. And they don't just win games, they win championships. And that's how they've started those pieces. And when did you go to Marion? Just so. Uh, that would have been uh, early 2010, maybe. That was either 2009, 2010, 2008, that vicinity. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, I'm gonna pull my resume out real quick. I yeah. don't have that memorized. Well, I'm just asking because, so you know, I've talked about my buddy Craig before. Um, he's uh, he actually went to Marion to play football, so that's what I was wondering. I was like, you might have been there around the same yeah. time as when, him. What's his last name? His name's Craig Ryan. Um, last name. He is. Uh, he got kicked. He got kicked out from Miriam. I'm not gonna <laughs> spread his. I'm not gonna spread. He was a knucklehead in college, as um, he would say. Which he's a great guy and whatnot. Now he's actually older than me. Yeah. So I graduated in 2014 from high school, and he would have been like um, six to eight years ahead of that. So I think six or seven years. Yeah. Ahead we of we that. might have crossed paths, but so, yeah, if maybe. I don't rem- like most of the time, I don't remember names necessarily. Yeah. Of former athletes. I can tell you, when I see their face, I can tell you what their injury was. Yeah. I can tell what sport they played, and I can give you an approximate range, but a lot of times the names slip. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was just wondering, just out of curiosity, I was, um, because you, you were probably there around the same time as him. Mm-hmm. But anyways, continue on. So yeah, Marion University, um, building that, and then yeah, And so helping, you know, at that time I was working with uh, their football program, helping in, in the office uh, 
growing the physician practice, coordinating coverages with the area high schools with the athletic trainers, and it was really a, a, a good transition into the inner workings of a physician office, of, of the practical side of what needs to happen on medicine. Okay. You know, college athletics, it was, it was great. I got to do the evaluation, then we send them to see the physician, we get the notes back, and then we would simply do what the physicians had asked or, or recommended. Now being on the other side, see them coming in and, and coordinating, <coughs> excuse me, or hearing what's coming in or, or what we're expecting coming in, and then looking at how does the insurance work, how does the okay. revenue work, how does the actual business side work. Um, and sometimes those don't always work as smoothly together as we'd like them to work. Yeah, that's for sure, especially yeah. with insurance and everything, as you know. Yeah, and, um, that's, and that was one, that piece right there was one of the other things that, you know, during that time I'm starting to see individuals who would come in and, and they wanted to get X accomplished, right? They've got this injury going on and uh, they would get that diagnosis and we'd go start doing the rehab or the treatment and then their insurance wouldn't cover what really needed to happen to keep that injury at bay. So we'd have to treat the symptoms, and we we try to fix the cause. But obviously, that's what everybody wants to try to do. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the insurances or other factors, and let's call them other factors, um, don't really allow treating the causes um, and, and treat more of the symptoms. For example, somebody comes in with IT band issues, mm-hmm. and you know that IT band issues it usually is from a tightness. It's usually from a poor mechanic. It you could be in the foot that you've got a, an instability going on. <coughs> Excuse me. Or you got something in the in the lower back going on. Mm-hmm. Well, you come in for the IT band that's happening around the knee. Now you start putting in um, uh, notes, or you start putting in treatments that's not affecting the knee, although it might be the cause of what's going on. And then the insurances start to balk, or other factors start to balk at you know, are you really treating? Are you really doing the right things? Why should we cover that sort of thing? Yeah. And so being able to step out and and do rehab in a, an environment where, you know services still are covered by your insurance <coughs> I do not bill your insurance but the services I provide you could apply those to your insurance your HSAs your flexible spending accounts all work on those same things and, and you actually get treated or fixed for what's going on okay gotcha so I guess before even <coughs> sorry um, before even all of what you just said why athletic training right because like you know and especially with like middle schoolers now and high schoolers, it's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I mean, um, you know, are you going to go into the business world? Are you going to go into sales? Are you going to go into marketing? Are you going to go into being a doctor of some sort? Right. Um, I guess why athletic training? Yeah. So at, at the time I didn't know what an athletic trainer was Yeah. when I'm trying to make this decision. So I'm, I'm going to college and, and I go to talk to the advisor and she's like, what do you want to do? And I, I want to be a physician that works with athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, oh, okay. So she starts on a different, different route, med school and, you know, prerequisites. And then uh, she starts going, well, what do you want to do? What do you really want? So I start talking to her. I want to be on the sidelines with athletes. I want to do this. I want to do that. She goes, oh, you're talking about athletic training. Mm-hmm. And when I heard the title athletic training, I'm like, no, I don't want to train athletes. It's yeah. pretty ironic about what I do right now, right? right? But at the time, I'm like, no, I don't want to coach. Mm-hmm. I don't want to train athletes. No, yeah. I want to do the medical side. Right. And so once I got you know digging a little deeper and actually understood what athletic training was, uh, it was a perfect match for me. Okay. And my you know, here a little bit more insight into into my head. Yeah. In high school, 
the reason I wanted to be a physician to work with athletes is that I had a teammate that mm-hmm. uh, ran track with me. Um, we were the only two in our school to qualify uh, uh, to run sectionals. Mm-hmm. Um, we were not great athletes at all, but it, it was it was you know, nice that we were um, good enough to meet the sectional standard. Okay. <coughs> Terry was a shot putter. Okay. Um, shot putter. Yeah. The week before sectional, he rolled his ankle. I can't remember what he was doing, but you know, basketball, running, something. He just rolled his ankle. Well, he he wasn't allowed to throw shot in sectional. Okay. He didn't seem to be that upset about it. I was devastated because, I mean, it was just me going to sectional. I was yeah. kind of, you know, I, he, he just wasn't there. Right. So I, I was so frustrated and upset that he didn't get that opportunity to compete mm-hmm. that I was going to make sure that that didn't happen for somebody in the future. Okay. So yeah. I thought that that opportunity was me being a physician to not tell somebody that they yeah. couldn't stand in a shot put ring and throw a shot. Gotcha. Um, and so then go to college and figure out hey athletic training is really what i want to do okay cool awesome well and for me like um i always you know just going off athletic training i thought i always thought the athletic training guys were or girls were cool um too, oh, of course in my they are. <laughs> right <laughs> so like um i you know it was always like if you went to the athletic trainer you were going to have fun in there to me so i always mm-hmm. loved that the athletic training side of it um just the experience that i got because one, I think it's satisfying when they wrap ankles and whatnot <laughs> because it, it is. That's it's cool. what you think about athletic trainers. Yeah, wrap ankles. yeah, and you like, and you have, uh, you play music. Um, and We're you, DJs. We wrap ankles. Right. Yeah. No. Exactly. That's like exactly what it was. It was like the athletic trainers. They were smart. They would. I mean, they would. Well, I mean, at least the one we had at Kokomo High School where I went. Um, you know, he was smart. He would wrap you up and tell you what's wrong, what's going on and whatnot, um, what to do for it. Uh, there'd be like music going on. There'd be other athletes in there, you know. So it was always like kind of a fun spot to hang out. Um, and, you know, just just as I say that, think about that. It's kind of like what we have now, right, with this, with well, what you have now with PXP. Um, you know, you have you who knows a ton of stuff and then you we come in here like now we we obviously work out in here so yeah. like usually when you work out there's music but you know you play music okay. you're um you tell us what's going on you can tell me if i'm doing something wrong how to fix it you know that kind of thing so i mean it just fits the mold um which is really cool just because of the community we have um going from there like so i know you worked at a lot of colleges with a bunch of different players and people any, I know you said Steve um, Alford. Um, any players that you enjoyed the most, by chance? Just, uh, I mean, just There's a, a bunch. curious I mean, question. Yeah, to, I had so many awesome experiences in college athletics. Yeah, I mean, watching, and, and you talk, you talk about your um, athletic trainer at Kokomo. What was his name? Oh. Um. He was the DJ that wrapped your ankle. Right. I don't remember his name. I can see his face. I don't remember his name. I want his, I don't know. So, I want to so say that's, it was like Brian or something. Sure. But, but that example right there, and I did it intentional for you. Mm-hmm. Most, most of the time, the athletic trainers, the reason they're in that profession is that they want to be behind the scenes. Okay, yeah. And so when you come in, you know, if they wanted to be up, up front and in the limelight, they'd be a coach. Mm-hmm. They'd be a different position. But... Most of us like helping people. Mm-hmm. We, uh, uh, you see us when you're hurt and damaged. Right. Um, most time you go in there if you need uplifted. If you need uplifted, you you've got emotional or a, a a mental 
letdown of some sort that you just know that you can go in there and, and get a smile on your face. Yeah. You go in there when you've been hurt. Mm-hmm. You need your ankles taped in or something along those lines, or you need an evaluation or a stretch, or you need something that you go into those guys. Most of the time, that's the heart of, a, of an athletic trainer, that's gotcha. to be that, that space. Now, being able to do that, I got to see a lot of individuals as they really are. Okay. You know, so you go out and play your games, and you get to, you know, put the game face on, so right. to speak. And, and as I say game face, I think of Bobby Knight, right? So he's talking about yeah. game face. What you talking about? And he's got all those faces <laughs> going on in the different yeah. positions. But, you know, that, that intensity that you put out, that's not uh, always what that person's really like. Mm-hmm. You know, so For you sure. get this guy that plays football, he's rough and he's mean on the, f- the field, but as yeah. soon as he steps off, he's a different guy, right? Right. One the athletic training room or my interaction, my experience with these individuals is I got to see who they really are. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is they're hurting. Mm-hmm. They're, they've hurt their knee, they're damaged, their joy, their identity is at risk. Yeah. And so you know, there's a lot of trust that has to be built up, a lot of trust that has to um, be maintained during mm-hmm. that time. That, um, going both ways, you know, that they're telling me what they're really feeling, that right. they know that I'm going to do everything I can to my best of my ability to help them get back to whatever level that is. Um, so a lot of great experiences, uh, joys of watching somebody that potentially wasn't ever going to compete again, uh, to coming back and, and being super successful, watching people coming in that um, didn't get hurt and just helping them improve their performance. Um, man, I've got lists for days. A couple that stand out, um, the ones that stand out to, to me most are the ones that were the biggest struggles. And, yeah. And, you know, the, the biggest, the greatest amount of work that person had to put in that I had to put in to help them get um, to their goal. Um, and I prefer not to use names because those are the ones I'm going to sure. bring up. And I, no, I don't want to hurt those. But a couple of examples. Or maybe, so maybe can you say um, the university and what they played? Like, um, so if I had... I'm just going to use a random popular celebrity like Drew Brees from Purdue. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I'm, don't say well, don't say his name. You would say yeah. like quarterback. Well, I, since I didn't work with him, that was good. Right, quarterback from Purdue or something like that. Yeah, I mean, that was. I mean, the basketball players at Manchester University. You know, the ones who came in that second year who, you know, took a chance okay. of doing certain things. Right. I mean, they're coming in and they look at the previous record. You know, last five years, they'd won maybe 15 games total. Yeah. Um, come in, and these guys could, had chances to go D1 or, or D2, um, doing those things, and, and took a chance to go to a D3 school. Part of that's because of Steve's reputation and what, what he was able to sell them on what they were going to do. But when they got there, now they got to put the work in. They got to yeah. change their um, – no, we're not changed. They got to put all this stuff together and work really hard to get spaces. We had two guys that first year on that team that – came in with high hopes that, that got injured. Mm-hmm. And it took us a lot of time to um, get the resources at that institution to really help them back. And that, yeah. was, that was where it started. You know, if I go to North Carolina, one of, my, one of the first uh, individuals that I was challenged with happened on day one. And he was, <laughs> yeah. he was a senior. Okay. Um, he constantly had lower back pain. Mm-hmm. He happened to be the number two goal scorer in the country. Okay. Uh, returning and so the, you know, coach looks at me and goes, "I don't care if he practices a day. I just need him for the games." And and so we had to do a lot of stealing of minutes from practice to have him enough game, enough minutes, enough uh, pain free moments. And was play. what was this? You said that, goal that was soccer. Soccer. Okay, that's Which, what, that's what I was wondering. If that, twisting, if cutting, spin, right. he, man, this was a super talented individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the team we had there, we had 
a couple Americans on the team, but most of them were international. And, and okay. these guys just could get it done. Gotcha. Um, and there's just the list can go on and on and on. You know, name a sport and another name pops in my head. Another situation pops in my head. Mm. And as I and as I look at those guys and, and reminisce about them, I can look around the room right now, see the names on the on the posters of what we've right. done. I can see different places on the floor where people have been doing things. And I can think of a bunch of names right now of people who have gone through all kinds of struggles. You know, being being told at one point, "Hey, you shouldn't run again," or right. Uh, having people say, hey, well, I'd love to do what you do, but I've never ran or mm-hmm. I've never swam or I've never. And I watched them make their process and progress in that process to become successful. Yeah. Those are the things that excite me. That's the passion that lights my fire. That, right. Um, and it is just awesome watching those guys succeed. Absolutely. And, I, and that's why, you know, the whole goal of the podcast, um, I guess we didn't really say this in the beginning, but we kind of just brought it out, was to you know shed that light on the amazing people in here and their stories um, to where you know we'll have people on um, occasionally not a, to share their stories um, and then people on um, guests on as well to you know um, help spread knowledge and whatnot on those pieces. Yeah. Um, I guess to transition, this is this is actually a question I don't think i know the answer to but um i'm gonna so i'm gonna ask i thought you knew everything right um (laughs) so um well and then going into that so and you touched i meant to touch on this but i was gonna let you finish what you said um i think this allows us especially like i said in the beginning to show how we're not we are not we don't always have our game faces on Mm -hmm. um like you said with the football players like Especially for you know me, I turn that game face on a lot. Especially especially when I'm here, because if I'm here, I'm usually training, um, except for recently. Um, so and for you, you know, you have the um, what's that shirt? Suck it up, Buttercup. Suck it up, Buttercup. yeah. Suck it up, Buttercup mm-hmm. ordeal. Um, and then someone told me like he always looks like you know he's mean in certain instances uh-huh. and whatnot, and which. For me, you know, I I like it because I'm in that same mode um, most of the time when we're around each other. Mm-hmm. If we're cycling, if we're running, if we're in here doing strength training, I'm like, okay, let's go. And then, you know, you and I, we go at it and we try to push each other that yeah. way. So I think this was, for the podcast purposes, you know, really good to show we're not always like that, right? Yeah. And, like, and, and so as athletes, we are like that. And then when we step off, we're not always like that, right? So I really like the idea of the podcast for that. But – so why triathlon? Because I don't think I know this for you. I know my answer for me, obviously, but I don't know why you started triathlon. <laughs> oh, here comes an embarrassing story. Yeah. So when I started the physician uh, management, um, uh, I really advanced my running. And I was a runner for uh, all my life, right, in high school. And, and you know, had a few, few years where I stepped away from it, but really a runner all my life. Mm-hmm. And so there was one year when I ran the Indy Mini and uh, Geist, and they're two weeks apart. So I ran two half marathons, two weeks apart. And I thought that was a really big deal. I'm like, wow, I ran two half marathons. I must mm-hmm. be a big deal. So of course, <laughs> yeah. I've got to share that with my physicians who are sports medicine docs, who see a lot of individuals who do a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in there talking to one of them and you know, telling him what I did. And he kind of looks at me and he goes, okay. And, and I, it was one of those things like, what do you mean? Okay. <laughs> That's a really big deal. I can two <laughs> yeah. half marathons. And right. the second one was faster than the first one, so I was feeling really good about it. Yeah. And he goes, well, have you heard of a triathlon? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, of course I've heard of triathlon. He goes, you know what a sprint distance is? And I'm like, 
I didn't really. Yeah. And so he starts describing it. You know, you got a 500-yard swim, you got a 10-mile bike, and a three-mile yeah. run. And I looked at him and I said, did you not just hear me? I ran two half marathons, right. three-mile run, that's nothing. Right. And then he goes, well, how about Olympic distance? What's that? And so the run there is a 10K, 6.2 miles. Doc, did you not just hear me? I ran two half marathons. Yep. And so not appreciating what that distance was. And then it went into half Ironman and, and finally Ironman. And I'm like, now we're talking. That's a marathon at the end. Yeah. He goes, Paul, you can't do that. <laughs> right. you're, not, you're not there. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you couldn't do this in three years. Mm-hmm. I went, oh, yeah? Yeah. So, of course, I did right. it in two. Right, yeah. And that's how it began, because uh, I'm talking about running two half marathons. Yeah. Well, so what was your first, what was the first one you did then? The first triathlon? Yeah. Eagle Creek. Eagle Creek, okay. Yeah. And, oh, and I know this story about how embarrassing <laughs> it was. And it was, yeah. That okay. swim was fantastic. It took me a really long time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> when was your first half Ironman then? Oh, that would have been, well, this would have been 10, so 2011. 2011 okay and then full iron was 2012 nice did you do so after eagle creek did you do any others before before your half so yeah so i did a couple sprints i did olympic and then i I finally started to figure out that wow a triathlon three mile run at the end isn't like running just a three mile run yeah and so putting those pieces together did i'm not sure how many i mean three to five olympics and sprints and then you came into the first half iron okay cool awesome um, so I guess from there, so like when you started, when you started PXP, how did it go from the beginning? Like, um, cause you, you know, you are where you are now, but how was that in the beginning? Yeah. So, uh, PXP Endurance started in 2015. So mm-hmm. I've been doing triathlons at that point about three, four years. Um, if we look at the years 2011 and a half, if you will, 2012 in that vicinity, those three years, I'm, I'm coaching people on the side. And, and when I say coaching, it's re- very loose terminology there of um, really trying to help guide. Um, tapping into my athletic trainer knowledge and experience from the collegiate realm of how not to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, been, I'd been through the full iron um, at that point and kind of went, oh, I see some things now that I didn't really perceive before I'd done it. Yeah. And, and helping guide some others uh, through that space. And in those three years of really honing in some skills, watching individuals not be able to get what they needed, again, if we go back to the, the rehab side and other factors that would influence, influence those pieces, and really not seeing a, um, a one-stop shop, if you will. You know, so mm-hmm. that's another piece that I really want to um, continue here is in the collegiate athletic training room, if I need a dentist, I had that. If we needed massage for somebody, I had that. If we needed rehab, I had that. If we mm-hmm. needed... Whatever it was, we had it. Well, so many times you got to go to four or five different places to get right. what you need, and you've got a lot of cooks mm-hmm. in that kitchen. Yes. And so they're all pushing and pulling and, and maybe not doing everything that's in the best interest of that individual. Yep. Having someone like you know, myself, and I don't mean this in a cocky, arrogant way, but somebody who's seen the medical side, who's watched strength and performance work, who knows how to um, put those pieces together, uh, it just became a natural fit, and it, it's been a blast. Yeah. Anything you would advise yourself to do differently when you first started this? To do it sooner. To do it sooner? Yeah, okay. I would have started. Like, if I knew everything what I knew right now, I would have started this a long time ago. Okay. Um, 
just because of, um, you know, we all have this, right? Doubt, doubts, fears, and anxieties. You've got a, right. a steady paycheck coming in from a, an employer. Yep. And then, you know, should you step away from that and, and become self-employed? That, that's a scary task. Sometimes it takes a lot of, I'm going to call it bravery. I call it bravery right now. Maybe it's uh, senility back then mm-hmm. of uh, risking that uh, piece. But it's, it's been one of those things where uh, if I go back and do it again, I'd done it sooner. Okay. Well, awesome. Um, I guess fitness wise, um, you know, like I don't, I've, I think I've recently heard you talk, well, and we've mentioned before, you know, what sports did you play growing up? You said you ran a lot, but did you play any other sports and whatnot? Mm-hmm. I did. Um, oh, it's going to bore a lot of our listeners. <laughs> it's all right. So in uh, uh, freshman fall, mm-hmm. um, Eighth grade year, my uh, math teacher was the high school football coach. Okay. And he had invited me to play football, and I was excited because the head coach asked right. an eighth grader to come out for freshman football. Yeah. And so I told him yes. Mm-hmm. He hands me this permission slip to take home. And uh, I took it home, and I'm all proud, and I hand it to mom, and mom goes, you're not playing football. Okay. Now, I was a little twig back then. Yeah. And I might have weighed 170 pounds. Yeah, and, still are. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, 170 pounds and maybe six one. Yeah. Right. So there wasn't much to me. Um, and mom's like, "You're not playing football. My boy's not getting hurt." And I'm like, "Oh, destroyed to have to go back and tell my eighth grade math teacher that I can't play football." Yeah. My mama said, "No, <laughs> best decision ever. Thanks, mom. That was wonderful." But that freshman year in high school, I, I had to do something. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I really hadn't gotten into to running yet is, is uh, one of those things where I'm not sure what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so I had a tennis racket at home, and so I went out for the tennis team. Okay. That lasted all of a season, and I went, that's <laughs> not for Paul. Okay. Um, basketball, been playing basketball since sixth grade year. Uh, loved it. Um, never was super talented, but I was mm-hmm. uh, good enough. Um, of being able to play with, with my height, I could play you know, a little bit of guard. I could get yeah. inside every once in a while. I had average uh, handles uh, okay but I could I was tall enough I could get some rebounds and move and um, so basketball was really my love that's the sport that I, I grew up loving the most it's the one that I grew up playing most consistent and then the spring the, the basketball coach suggested who was also assistant coach on the track team suggests that we should run for tra- run track in the spring and I'm like okay and so I ran the mile I ran the 800 and um freshman year was just uh oh boy this is hard this isn't great and so the cross-country coach uh, saw that I was running the mile and track and he goes you need to run cross-country it would help help that mm-hmm. basketball head basketball coach goes you should run cross-country because it gets you in shape for basketball yeah okay coach I'll run cross-country yeah so I ran cross-country and just fell in love with it okay. um the misery the pain um it was something that um I won or lost based on my ability. Right. And our basketball team, although I loved it, I, I was very um, emotionally attached to that sport. Yeah. We were not very good. <laughs> yeah. We lost regardless of whether how well I played a game, how poorly I played a game. Um, and it was just sometimes self-defeating to know that my performance didn't really affect the outcome mm-hmm. of the game. And so running cross country and track really became the place where I went to get some self-fulfillment. I guess. still play basketball all those years. Um, 
I gravitated into the, the, the 800. That was my um, pain race. That's the one I loved the most. I would, I would, I'll call it lovingly now. Back then, I'm not sure my teammates really thought, thought of it this way, but I would lovingly tease my teammates. I had some friends that ran the 400. Not like anybody can sprint for one lap. Yeah. I had some friends that ran the 16 or the mile. And I'm telling them anybody can jog for four laps. Mm-hmm. Let's see y'all sprint two laps. Yeah. And you know, I'll say it was lovingly right now, but at the time it was more of uh, both of us pushing animosity back and forth. And it was hopefully helped them drive their performance. It definitely drove my performance. And uh, that's where my love of running began. Okay. They say um, the 800 runners are your um, best athletes. Well, I've probably uh, said that once or twice. Yeah. yeah so, um, <laughs> no, I mean, that's. If you want to know, it's on TikTok. So. Okay, great. Yeah, well, so. TikTok says it. It's yeah, definitely t- true. TikTok says it, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, well, cool. Um, anything you want to ask me, I guess, because I never – so what you guys may not know is that we – every time we do this, I'm not going to let Paul really know what questions I have for him. Um, he knew that we were doing this, obviously, because we had a schedule for it. Um, but he didn't know how this was going to go, right? Um, which I love doing, and I'm sure he hates, but I love it. Um, but did you have anything that you wanted to ask me? No, I didn't prepare that, that well. Okay, that's and, fine. And that's a, that's a great you know, point here. We're looking at, at all this. The, uh, I am a self-proclaimed control freak. Right. And we go into class, we go into rehab, we go into things. Many of you, as I uh, do your rehab, one of the things that I will jokingly tell you is not to screw up my rehab. Yep. Everything that they do when they walk out of here is either going to add to their rehab or take away from it. And many times, and rightly or wrongly, we, um, if we're taking care of something that only affects us, we don't put the same value on it. And so my rehab philosophy and so in that respect is to get the patient, get the client, get that individual to see their injury more than just theirs. Mm-hmm. It's my rehab. Yeah. And so I'll take control over that rehab and try to get them to know that everything they do affects that. We're in class. I don't want to take a risk on somebody getting hurt by not paying attention to the details of those pieces. We're in here. I'll work on not knowing what's going on coming in here and reacting to it. And and, if I flash back to my athletic training days, you know, many times we'd have practices scheduled at a certain time and they would change on us. And so it's kind of refreshing sometimes to uh, adapt and overcome. Right, for sure. That's, I mean, that's huge, especially for... Me as well, just because, you know, I'm, I'm a control freak too. Um, and this is probably a topic we should talk about on another podcast on how to give up control because it's so tough, um, especially, I mean, for you, for me, from parents um, that I see a lot because um, for those of you that don't know, I help coach a cross-country team. And to see, um, let's just say a mom, for instance, who's doing a million things, I think moms are probably the busiest people in the world, um, not try uh say no jerry i got it no jerry i got it no jerry i got it no um other coach i got it no other parent i got it no i can do it is like Mm -hmm. i'm like hey you know you can accept help right right? so that'd be a good topic for later on is how to get up control and that's true i see a lot of the athletes in here yeah and and maybe you know you can relate to this and so forth but you know we see something on our to-do list and if it doesn't get done we feel bad whether we're supposed to run 30 minutes today and you only get a chance to run 15 or 20 or you don't get to run at all yeah. now you feel like a failure or let down or you've got this um errand you, you wanted to run or this something that doesn't get done on your to-do list there's a lot of a uh, 
factors that affect mm-hmm. your vision of yourself. Yeah. And I've got uh, several athletes that um, I am talking to um, repeatedly about it's okay if you miss that. Yeah. It's okay not to do everything on your to-do list. It's okay to still feel good about yourself when you didn't run for three days because you had a busy time. Right. And I mean, you know, just that's why I love that we're doing the podcast is to have not only because, you know, you you know a ton about the physical side, right, but also to help the mental side mm-hmm. as well, which I think yeah. you end up from what I've seen. Um, I think you and I are, I don't want to toot our horns, but very good mentally or at least very sharp mentally for the most part. Um, and I'm not saying other people dollar and dollar. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying other people in here aren't, but I'll just hear things and I'll be like, "Mm, I don't like it. And I want to say something. And I'm just like, you know, Dre, let that control go and let that person, um, deal with it. Or, you know, if they, if it's something otherwise where I feel like I need to step in, you know, I'll say, Hey, you know, you should probably think this way or say these things because that helped me. Right. Because I wasn't, people don't know, but I wasn't always this, um, decent athlete that I've become doing triathlons and, um, I've only done half marathons and whatnot, but, um, to do that stuff just because I had to work on, I had to work on getting there mentally a lot more than I did physically. And that's also something I think we should, um, talk about someday. And we will always talk about the mental side of, um, what we do and whatnot. Um, but just to sharpen our mentality, because you'll hear, you know, what's a, so if I were to say how much of this percentage wise, how much of this is mental and how much physical, what would those percents be for yeah, you? It, it varies for everybody. But there's right. a lot of, there's a lot of statements out there, but 90%, right. you know, mental and 10% physical and that kind of stuff. And it, that, that package, putting it together, many times we put too much expectation on a performance, physical yep. performance. And, you know, if you get into the comparison space you know that's that's a, a space that many times uh, mm-hmm. you'll, yeah, that's you'll fall one. down the rabbit hole if your expectations on yourself from 20 years ago and your performance today don't match up right that's a rabbit hole um, and so helping people ha- have more realistic expectations that's not to say that you can't get prs as you get older because we've got a billion in examples around that that just continues mm-hmm. to happen um, but the what you perceive going into things is going to dictate how it performs, right? I mean, if right. you, I had a conversation with some of the, the students yesterday where they're doing stuff and they're shaking their head side to side and they just don't finish that space. Mm-hmm. And so talking about even if they're not feeling like they can do this, to shake their head up and down. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is hard. Right. To shake your head up and down. This is hard. You yeah. know, or, um, <laughs> As soon as it start, starts doing side to side, you're, you know, and I'm not sure, I'm sure there's some people out there that can give me all the science behind why that happens. Yeah. But when you shake your head side to side, that usually brings on a negative um, connotation of what yeah. your performance is going to be. And that thought process going into it is the same on everything we do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I just really hope for this to be, you know, a mental outlet for people as well, just because, like I said, you know, when we're doing things, we listen to podcasts. So hopefully this gives that, you know, peace, joy, and excitement to people um, when they're doing everything that they're doing in daily lives or um, uh, as they're working out even, right? And I think, you know, it's so critical because, like you said, you know, usually you hear it's 90% mental, 10% physical, 
and then we work on that 10% always. We always work on that 10%, but that 90% is just left out there, and you're like, oh, I'm okay. Oh, I'm good, um, which, I mean, I know you hear from me a lot. is like, I'm good, but I'm also working on my mindset throughout the day, right? And that's not what people see. Um, people don't see all of the stuff that isn't shiny, right? It's not glamorous. Like, if I were to go out and run, I'm just going to say a seven-minute pace, that might look glamorous to some people, right? But going in and stretching for an hour is not going to be glamorous, right? Or listening to uh, reading a book or listening to a podcast that helps me mentally, right? It's not – I can't record myself listening to a podcast and then they think, oh, man, I want to go do that, right? right? But they might see me run up a hill really fast. Oh, man, that's super cool. Like I want to be able to do that, right, whatever that be, so – I just really hope the podcast will help out with that as well. Um, but I want to do something a little fun. I want to hit you with some rapid fire. You want to hit me? Well, no. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> I say, not right now. Not right now. Off camera. Um, see what he did? He tried to get me on camera. Yeah, He tried to get me on camera right there. Um, so this is called either or, right? So I'm going to give you two things, and you have to pick from them. So it's going to be this or this. Ready? And this is going to be before we wrap this up. So watch sports or play sports? Play sports. Okay. Share food or not share food? Definitely not sharing food. Yeah, me neither. I hate sharing food. Um, fast food or healthy food? Now, well, take this into yeah, – <laughs> uh, This is. I know what the right answer is supposed to be, right. but some of that fast food is nice and tasty. Yep. I, I would say fast food too. I told – so here's um, in between the rapid fire. So I told the class um, last night, the youth class – I said, um, you know, go have a Reese's this weekend or whatnot. And then we talked about favorite desserts and ice cream. And and I said, you probably don't hear this when you work out typically, but, uh, you know, we bring it in here. All right. Would you rather, um, so smartest person in the world or richest person in the world? Uh, Smarter. Okay. Fruits or veggies? Fruits. Fruits. Nice. Favorite fruit? Mm. Top two? Top Uh, three? Strawberry bananas. Okay, good. Breakfast or dinner? Oh, breakfast. Okay. Texting or calling? Uh, um, I would rather have a phone call than a text. Okay. French fries or onion rings? Oh, come on. No. Um, gotta go with fries. Nice. Uh, sweet candy or sour candy? Sweet. Okay. Leader or follower? <laughs> um, I think I'm a leader. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. That's it. I'll, I'll act like that was a That's tough it. answer. Right. Well, I just I didn't know. I didn't know if you were going to take it in a different direction. Sometimes some people do. Um, yeah, good. So that's pretty much it um, that I had for this. We are, you know, right around the time that I wanted us to be at. Do you have anything else for the first our first podcast that you want to let the people know? Uh, I do. Um, yep. the, the thing with this, and I'll figure out how to phrase this since you sprung it on me, but the message I want you to leave with is that if you have something that you're struggling with and you don't have an answer, I want to be helpful. Yep. If you have a, a situation where you're afraid to, to ask the question, um, send Dre a text. Right. Uh, well, uh, we're about to the conclusion. I'll let you know what you can do. Okay, but keep going. Yep. But, but I want to be, I want you to be, have an outlet that you can uh, get some information. There's a lot of resources out there that, um, obviously, we're not the only podcast. We're, there's a bunch of people out there that are spreading information, and they're all doing it to the best of their ability. But sometimes the the messaging is that you've got to do it a certain way. And if you don't do it like this, you're not good enough. Yeah. There are so many ways to 
uh, be successful, and you've got to find the one that applies to you best. That's what I want you to know. That's what I want to be about. That's what we're about here at PXP Endurance. If we can help you, let us know. What's that? What's the, I thought you were going to give me an old school saying there. Uh, There's uh, like a hundred ways to skin a cat or something. Is that what it is? I don't know. I'm not old enough to know. Okay. <laughs> what, what is it? You don't know? You don't know what I'm talking about? To skin a something? Yeah, you can skin a cat a lot of different ways. Okay, yeah. I think that's what it was or something. I don't know. But yeah, um, that it? Good? Yep. All right. So... Um, to conclude, let's um, PXP Endurance is where you can find the podcast. That's where we're going to post it. PXPEndurance.com. Um, we are going to post it on our pay or on our social media pages as well. Um, it'll be some short clips, and then you can see the full version on YouTube. Um, so subscribe and like our YouTube. Um, PXP Endurance is the YouTube, right? Um, this video, the video of the podcast, will get posted on there. And then the audio of the podcast will get posted on anywhere that you can listen to podcasts that I can find. Um, so that will be Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If Google has one, we'll find it. We'll put it on Google, right? I don't, I don't know what it is, but <laughs> we'll figure it out, right? So um, like and share. Um, send it to people that maybe aren't on our um, social media pages because um, I know we do actually have quite a few members that aren't on yep. social media. So maybe you send it to them and they'll be able to play it on YouTube or something. Well, everyone should be able to get to YouTube as long as you have a smartphone or a computer. Um, so yeah, that'd be great. And then leave your comments and questions. Um, like Paul said, you know, we, we want to be able to help um, let you get your questions, your concerns, your comments out there to Paul so that we can go over them, right? And I'll be looking at those as much as possible. He'll look at them a little bit, I'm sure, maybe. Um, and then I'll have those ready for him next time that we do this. Um, our goal is to do it once a week. As much, um, If we need to um, ramp it up, then we can. Um, it's going to be hard to do that with our schedules, but I'm sure we can get it done. Um, but, yeah, leave your comments and questions You know, on Instagram. Leave them below. Social, um, Facebook, leave them below. Um, if you direct message me with your questions, that's fine. If you direct message PXP Endurance with questions, that's fine. Or like Paul said, you know, you can always um, text one of us or ask us in person if you're around us, um, and we'll try to answer your questions as much as possible, um, and I'll help you get inside there, right? So that'll be the goal. Yeah. All right, brother. Thank you. Good talking.